Right. Good morning. As you know, my name's Chris, my wife Tina. It's great to be here. Um, I should like to thank Tim and uh, Helen um, for hosting us over this weekend and their boys for giving up their rooms. And uh, it's been good. So let me pray and then we will, I would like to share with you what I feel God wants to say in addition to what has already been shared. So Father, we thank you. You are a good God. You're a heavenly Father that's always sat at the window looking for us and always welcoming us home. And we thank you for that sense that we can be by God's grace and by the power that resides within us always living on the front foot. So teach us this morning, help us to understand what you want to say to each and every one of us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm sure you, like me, in your life, on certain occasions, have to deal with difficult people. No, you don't have them down here. Well, north of Watford, there are occasionally some awkward people who kind of get right up your nose, annoy you, whatever they do. They kind of have a way with all about them that they are seemingly difficult. So, in the light of that, I would like to tell you about one elderly gentleman that I have a lot of problems with. Um, he's been, for me, a personal challenge for years. You wouldn't know it from this guy's uh, public persona, but actually he struggles with anxiety, self-doubt, lacking in confidence, and often feels intimidated. If you caught him on a good day, he'd tell you he feels sometimes like a fraud. And he's expecting that any moment someone is going to catch him out and expose him as the individual that he really is. Because of his insecurity, it's a big issue to this guy. And rather than, he'd rather stay inside than venture outside if it meant meeting new people. Now this guy, um, he's married to a wonderful lady and she is totally opposite to him. Whereas she loves people and loves being in the crowd, people are often kryptonite to this guy. They sap his energy. And so this couple are so different in their, their outlook on life. But the good news is, the guy I'm talking about a long time ago became a Christ follower. He became a born-again, spirit-filled believer. And over the years, he's learned to draw on the grace of God and run headlong through his fears. And you might say, well, how on earth do you know so much about this guy? Because every day of my life, I've looked in the mirror and looked, seen him. I've looked at this guy every day of my life. And the truth is, I struggle with self-doubt, anxiety. I often lack confidence and feel intimidated by certain people. And for me, it's become a daily battle. And why I share this is why I share this with you is this reason. While some of us feel insecure some of the time, others feel insecure all of the time. But as a born-again spirit-filled believer, I have a get-out-of-jail card. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Bible. And I believe what John 
um, John 8, verse 31, and this is paraphrase. If I walk in the good of what Jesus says, I will know the truth and the truth will set me free. If I walk, exercise, contemplate, consider the truth of Jesus Christ, I will walk in the truth. If I walk in the good of what Jesus said, I will walk in the truth and the truth will set me free. I have found over the years that there is a a biblical proverb that has become transformational. And it's found in Proverbs 23.7, the NASB translation, that reads, As a man thinks within himself, as a man or a woman thinks within themselves, so he or she is. As a man thinks within himself, so he is. Now I'm going to fly in the face of popular opinion because some people will say, you are what you wear. Others will say, you are what you do. Some would even go as far as to say, you are what you eat. Now if that's true, we have a few pepperoni pizzas here and a few lasagnas from what I've had over the weekend. But if we are what we eat, but the Bible says we are what we think. And I kind of believe this. My beliefs, and I believe the Bible backs this up, my beliefs affect how I behave and ultimately what I become. What I believe affects how I behave on a daily basis and ultimately what I become. So my goal this morning is to take you on a journey. I'd like you to come with me. And there are going to be three stop-off points and I'll, we'll move on fairly quickly. But if you're coming with me, I, what, the only thing I'd ask is don't get off the bus. And when your mind keeps saying, are we there yet? Are we? If you've had kids, you know what that means. Are we there yet? Concentrate on what God wants to do in your mind this morning. Because I believe God wants to change us. He wants to transform us. He wants us to go out of those doors different than we came in. He wants to take the word of God and apply it to our lives and bring transformation whereby others say, you're different. What happened to you? Well, I met Jesus Christ this morning and he has changed my life. What I believe affects how I behave. So let's look at beliefs. We've all got them. We've all got beliefs. Some of them are insignificant. Whether your football team will win the FA this year, it's kind of, you know, there are beliefs that you may have. You may have a belief about this thing and that thing. Some, some beliefs are surface and superficial, but other beliefs are deeply ingrained within us and affect us. Our beliefs are like a jewelry that wait to cast a judgment on people, objects, and events. We all have a cluster of beliefs. They're generalizations, facts, stereotypes, experiences, and assumptions. And when it comes to the Christian life, I believe that there are two type of thinkers. They're what I call flat earth thinkers and round earth thinkers thinkers. Flat earth thinkers, if you know anything of the history of humanity, there was a time 
when we believed that the earth was flat. We believed what others told us. And therefore we didn't go beyond the horizon for fear that we might fall off the edge. Because the earth is flat like a saucer and if we go too far, we will venture way outside our comfort zone and probably go off the edge into an abyss or whatever. So flat earth thinkers uh, live with fear. They fear to take a risk. They fear to go beyond what others have said to them because they want to stay within the realm of safety. So they become flat earth thinkers. And as a Christian, we can live like that. Because someone told us at one time you were a, you were a failure, you were useless, you were hopeless, you'll never amount to much, and therefore you will never go far in life. And so we become flat earth thinkers. But the moment we come to give our life to Jesus Christ, I believe that one of the things God wants to do fundamentally is change our mind. The first word Jesus used when he brought his gospel to the earth was the word repentance. Repent. It's an archaic word in some places, but I still believe it's fundamental. Because repentant means a change of mind about God, about yourself, about your future, about your past, about your present. It's a changing of mind that God does that changes your behavior. I now think differently about myself. I think by God's grace, I am a supersonic saint. I don't get changed in telephone boxes and come into this place and suddenly I'm supersonic and when I go out, I'm Clark Kent. And that may be kind of ageism when I'm talking about that, but... I'm a, by God's grace, I believe I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Not physically, spiritually. But I believe I can, uh, the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells, lives in me. And therefore a flat earth thinker lives in fear, whereas a round earth thinker, I believe, lives in faith. Lives in faith in the word of God. And our beliefs affect our behavior. Our beliefs affect our behavior. I'd like to tell you a story. It is a true story because I know friends of the people I'm going to talk about. This is the story about an old couple who lived in Yorkshire who never, ever, all of their life ventured outside their village. They lived from their childhood through their their raising a family to the time of retirement, never went outside their village. And I don't know why they did it. They decided to go on a vacation, a holiday, and they were going to go to New York. That's a big step. I mean, go to Bognor after leaving Yorkshire, but go to New York, that's what they were going to do. And when they told their friends, their friends said, oh, be careful. It's a dangerous place. You are liable to get mugged. You could get attacked. These are flat earth thinkers that are telling them stuff. Be very, very careful. So anyway, they thought nothing else of it. Got on the plane, flew into New York, found their hotel room. It was kind of a few floors up. And it was getting late at night. And the wife had a brainwave. She said, let's go window shopping. It's kind of late at night, and in certain cities in, in America, they do stay open pretty late. 
So she said, let's, let's go shopping. And the hotel they chose wasn't in the best area. And so they got into the lift or the elevator, went down the ground floor, just about to go out, leave the lobby. And the wife says, oh, no, I've, I've left my bag in the room. She says, you stay here. I'll go back in the lift, the elevator, and I'll go back out of the room, get my bag, and I'll come back and we'll go. So she gets in the elevator, goes back to the hotel room. This is a true story. Goes back to the hotel room, picks up her handbag, and gets back to the elevator. And and she's in there, and there's no one else in the elevator. And the doors are about to shut as a man gets in. This is a tall Afro-American with a huge dog. And they both get into the lift, and the doors close, and the lift begins to descend. And it's silent until she hears the African-American shout, get down, get on the floor. And the woman thought, oh no, I'm about to be attacked. And so she knelt down on the floor. (laughs) And all of a sudden she felt this hand on her shoulder. She said, I'm so sorry, love. I was talking to my dog. (laughs) And so she was, it's a true story. So relieved, got out of the elevator, found her uh, husband, and they went off doing some window shopping. And when they come to pay the bill, true story, they go to the reception, and their hotel room has been totally paid for. And there was a bunch of flowers for the lady, and it said, Thank you for giving me the greatest laugh for years. Signed, Lionel Richie. Sign Lionel Richie. Why I tell you that story is because our beliefs affect our behavior. She heard the words, get down, get get on the floor. She thought, I'm going to be attacked, I'm going to be mugged, Uh, you know, whatever. And because our beliefs affect our behavior and ultimately what we become. We're at the third bus bus stop here and I, I want to, this is where I really want to go this morning. Because I want to ask us, what are we becoming Individually and corporately. Are we becoming what God intends us to become? Because God has great dreams and aspirations for us. The Bible says this, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That is not the general problem of most believers. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's not our problem. I think our problem is we don't think of ourselves as highly as we ought. Not as ourselves, but as believers following Jesus Christ. In that the Bible says we are in Christ. That we have given our lives to him. And he has become our Lord and our Savior and our boss. That has transformed our whole position in life. I am not a, as my wife often says, I'm a a winner who sometimes loses, not a loser who sometimes wins. Big difference. We have to look in the mirror of the word of God and say, is that me? And your heavenly father says, yes. You're a son and daughter of the living king. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It is not according to your natural strength. It is according to your supernatural strength. What are we becoming? I believe that the human mind is like a minefield. 
It's like a minefield. Do you ever feel that you want to do something and God is inspiring you to do something and you're ready to do something different and suddenly an explosion goes off in your mind and you think about past failures? Oh, I tried that before. I messed up in that. And there are times when you hear God speak to you and you want to step outside of those parameters. You want to step out, as it were, out of the boat. But then you suddenly think, oh, reality is that's H2O. That's water. It's not supposed to be walked on. One man wrote a book, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And sometimes we stay back. I have to be honest. I stay back with the prayer meeting in the boat and let Peter go. Go for it, Peter. I'm sure God will bless you in that exercise. But he still is the only man in Scripture that walked on water with Jesus. The experience he had, no one else in the boat had it. And I feel that God is encouraging us to step outside the boat. The enemy of your soul wants to limit you. He wants to hold you back. He, he wants to limit what you do in this life. It's my belief that there are many well-intentional Christians who are buying into a lie. The seeds of doubt are being sown in their minds and we are seeing what I call a Cinderella culture. A Cinderella culture. If you know this children's uh, nursery rhyme or the story, you know what I mean by Cinderella. I believe the ugly sisters of intimidation and condemnation are holding us in the basement of thinking. The, sin, the ugly sisters of intimidation and, and, and condemnation are holding us as Christians, as believers, in the basement. We're suffering from basement thinking instead of high-rise living. Boy, that's good. That's worth buying, that is. If I titled a book like Basement Thinking versus High-Rise Living. We are to reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. We are to act as kings and queens, to rule ourselves, to rule our minds, to bring our mind in line with the word and say, mind, thoughts, they're not biblical. Line up. To, our, to rule our actions, to stop being put into the basement, to stop living in that basement in our thinking. And I, you know, I've been around Christian, I've been around Christianity for a long time. I personally believe we are on the edge of a phenomenal move of God. The enemy's trying to silence the church. He's trying to sideline us. He's trying to keep us in the basement because he knows if we break out of the basement, the beauty of Jesus will be seen in the earth and the earth might be attracted by the glorious uh, beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They see the, 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 the incredible change that's taken place. The metamorphosis that we are no longer cabbage patch dwellers, but we've gone through this metamorphosis, broke out of the cocoon and becoming like butterflies, showing the beauty of Christ wherever we go. Sometimes just not saying a word, but we're just showing the beauty of Jesus. But the enemy wants to keep us in the basement of our thinking. He wants to bring intimidation and condemnation. He wants us to be scratching around, as it were, in the ashes of, of remorse and regret. That may come as a surprise. 
Everyone in this room has made a mistake. At some point in our lives, we have made mistakes. Let's not grade them, big mistakes, small mistakes. We've all made mistakes. We've all got it wrong. And we would admit that. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll scratch around in the ashes of remorse and regret and stay in the basement of our thinking instead of elevating, let God elevate us to high-rise living, to rule and reign in life with one man, Christ Jesus. One story, I'm going to hear a song and then I'm going to pray. While I was preparing this, it was like God said, you know, many Christians are living the prodigal son story. If you know the story of the prodigal son, he wastes all the money and he ends up feeding pigs, which is not a good place for a good Jewish boy to be. And he eventually comes back to his father, like we heard this morning, and his father was waiting to greet him and greeted him with open arms because he was coming back repentant. There had been a change of mind. He'd come back repentant. His father received him. He gave him a coat of identity. He put shoes of destiny. He gave him a ring of authority and said, now let's party. The trouble is, the trouble is, some Christians had more fun before they were Christians than since they've become Christians. They've forgotten how to party. For heaven's sake, this is a celebration of grace. You know, and it doesn't happen here, but some people who are non-Christians look at Christians and think, I've got enough problems without having the ones you seem to have. Whereas we are to be an advent, the joy of the whole earth, that psalmist says. And when they come amongst the Christians, they think, you are such fun. You, you actually enjoy living. Yeah, well, we enjoy living because we know our life is secure in who we are in Christ Jesus. I, I believe that if the prodigal had been given the coat, the ring, the shoes, and his dad said, come on, let's, let's party. He said, no, 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 I can't do that. No, no, no. I, I, what the Americans call a party pooper. I, I just couldn't have fun. And I think God wants us to enjoy high-rise living. To come into that place where we rule and reign in life over our circumstances like was prayed this morning. We rule and reign in life by one man, Christ Jesus. One man, Christ Jesus. Now, what I'm going to do now we're going to play a song. We have the video with it as well. Well done. I'm going to play this song. Watch this video. It's by the Christian version of Hadel. Um, and then I'm going to come back and pray because I want God to do some work. It's all right hearing this stuff, but I would like God to do some work in each and every one of us. So let's play this song, please. <laughs> 